God has prepared a special message. Nine months in taking. He's been really helping us to experience it first so that you guys may experience it together with us. So you guys may sit back down and we are going to take some time to pray. And for this prayer, it's a little special. I would like you to pray on your own for a few minutes and then I'll open up with a prayer. Prayer that God will speak to you today. That spirit will come into your heart and that you'll be open to hear him. Let us pray. Father, you see your children we're coming before you because we are in need of your spirit. Speak to us. Change our lives for we are encountering you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you haven't noticed, we look very different. There are the obvious physical differences that people immediately notice, but it's the differences that you can't see that usually become very chaotic. For example, there are cultural differences. My background traces all the way back to Haiti. He from South Korea. He believes, well, most Koreans, that the parents are taken care of by the son. For the Haitians, whether you're the oldest, the eldest, or the youngest, you had better send some money back home for your parents. We're also different in a way that I am a male and she's a female, right? <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> and, and so the, the way that we communicate a lot of times may be confusing. And those who are married, you, you understand that. that I may say a lot of times that the trying to solve problems, for her, she, would, she just wants to be heard. I'm fine does not mean I'm fine. <laughs> then there's a difference in perspective. Being from an island, I was born in the Bahamas, seven miles by 21 miles. For me, a lot of land when we're buying a home is maybe half an acre. For Stephen, a lot of land or enough land is 20 acres. And I'm like, I could fit my entire island in our backyard. <laughs> also, the differences in tradition and preferences. Okay, so this is where it gets a little interesting. And this is still a fight between us, by the way. Right. Um, when you cook rice, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. When you cook rice, do you put salt or do you not put salt? Okay, for those who do not put salt, let me see you. My Asian hands, come on. My Asian family, okay, we have some non-Asians as well. All and right. my Caribbean friends, it is almost blasphemy oh. to not put salt in rice. Mm -mm. 
Et puis, il y a différence dans le langage. Est-ce qu'on peut imaginer, les m'a parlé avec parents, les mêmes les parlé à parents, comment ils sont dans le langage? Nous avons un autre There are the obvious differences in language. Can you imagine when I'm talking to my parents in the house and he's talking? It's like the Tower of Babel all over again. <laughs> so then, with all of these differences, it's funny tonight. It's usually not funny when it's in the moment, at mm. home, when we're alone. How is it that both of us could stand here, be united, and speak one message? How is it that one message could actually be applied to both people, two of us who are so different? And then imagine the miracle that has to take place for one message to be relevant to seven billion people on the earth, all of those who have differences. So we're going to look at two reasons why unity is attacked and why it's so important. First, Unity is so powerful that God himself had to take action. How powerful? You see, in Genesis 11, and we could turn there, Genesis 11, 6. It talks about the Tower of Babel. Here it says, and the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. Who are one? People. It doesn't say angels. It doesn't say all these mighty people of the universe. It says people, sinners, weak, nothing but dust. And they have, and, and they all have one language, and this is what they began to do. Oh, sorry. I, yeah. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. God himself is actually taking action against a group of human sinners where nothing will be held from them. How powerful is unity? You, you see, God understood that being united is, is so powerful, and the only way that it can be broken is from within. It's from within. In Matthew 12, 25, it says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. See, we're most vulnerable when we are actually divided. Internally, when our communications are misunderstood, we're divided. The house no longer stands. The enemy also attacks our unity because he knows that a church divided can no longer represent Christ. If you remember in John 17, Jesus prayed his last, one of his last prayers, 
before the crucifixion. Lord, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. In Psalm 34, 20, it says, he guards all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Jesus Christ, who's subjected, who's being subjected to one of the most evil forms of torture, even in the midst of that, his body stays united. It's mm. symbolic of the church, even in the most torturous trials that we ever have to endure, that we still stay united, because that is when we represent best the image of Christ. So the enemy knows that a divided church gives the idea that the body of Christ is decomposed and broken and can no longer reflect his glory. If he can get us to not be united, the world can't see Christ. So then we have to then ask ourselves the question, how does God go about bringing unity where there are so many differences? How do we still keep those differences and see the glory of God? We recognize that unity in our church amongst God's people is under attack. And this evening, we're going to look more closely at a story in Acts chapter 10 about Cornelius and Peter, how these two represent different peoples, they can even represent marriage, and how God goes about bringing them together. So we see the story in Acts chapter 10. Peter has this vision where God brings down the sheep, the sheep with all of these different animals, Three times he tells him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And remember, Jesus Christ had already asked him three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It just seems there's a thing with Peter and animals. Mm. And Peter keeps saying, no, Lord. But then he is sent to Cornelius, representing the Jews' greatest rival at the time, Gentiles, and not just Gentiles, but Romans. And one of the first lessons that we learn in this story is that we need to look beyond what we see. When I first found out that Stephen was interested, my honest the first thought was, Asian though, Lord? I honestly had never pictured that in my mind. And for a moment, I couldn't get past the difference. Not that I had an issue with it, but it was not what I was expecting. So you can imagine Peter, you can imagine the Jews and God telling them, I need you two to be united. And in Acts 10, 34 and 35, Peter says, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. God wants to save the person that you view as an oppressor. And God wants you to find truth in the person who you look down on. See, Cornelius represented the entire Romans who were oppressors of the Jews. And Peter represented the Jews, a group of people that the Romans were looking down on. And God's truth was in the mouth of those people that the Romans considered less than. Hmm. Ellen White says, nothing so manifestly weakens a church as disunion and strife. Nothing so wars against Christ and the truth as this spirit. One question we want to ask about this story is, why did God send Peter to Cornelius instead of the other way around? You see, God's, we, hear, we see in the text that God spoke to Cornelius first. But why didn't God just say, Cornelius, why don't you go to Peter where he is? Sometimes we have to go out of our comfort zone 
and do something that may seem contrary to what we are comfortable with. In this case, we see that Peter, who had, of course, his tradition still hanging on, God told him something that seems, no way, no way this is possible. For me to eat this, never in my life have I even considered touching it. But God said, eat. And by making that choice to go somewhere that he was uncomfortable with, what happened? Not only Cornelius was blessed and, and changed, but his whole family and friends. There were so many people impacted by that one decision of Peter. When it comes to our relationship as well, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to do something that you don't want to do. Maybe we get into an argument, and this has happened before, of course. We get into an argument, and somehow she seems like there was something wrong with me or something that I did wrong, but I have no idea what I did. Huh. I didn't do anything wrong, so do I have to go to her? Do I have to apologize for the way she feels? But I didn't do it. And God says, Stephen, it's not about who is right or wrong in this case, who really did the wrong, because in the end, it's the result. Is it worth fighting over these topics? Is it worth me holding my pride and saying, you know what, I didn't do anything wrong, so I don't need to apologize first? No. It is all about taking that first step. Uncomfortable it may be, something you don't want to do, pride may hold you back, but that first step is where everything happens, and we are able to now unite closer than ever and move forward. Another way that God brings about unity is that he teaches us to recognize what is actually right and wrong versus what our personal beliefs and preferences are. Marriage has a way of teaching you how we can very quickly turn our personal choices into creeds. We turn our mm. desires into doctrines, and we make a cult out of our preferences. Mercy. The side of the tissue whether we eat with chopsticks or spoons. Chopsticks are, are better. <laughs> you could do so many things with it. But different doesn't always mean wrong. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about compromising truth, but truly recognizing that what you might prefer is not always right. Not everything that you believe and grew up with is right. In order to finish the work, we as young people and older saints have to learn to come together and unite. We need the youth for the action and the vigor and the ambition, and we need our silver-headed saints for the experience and Amen. the wisdom. We are the bow and the arrow who works best when united. Amen. Our older, silver-crowned saints can still learn from the younger ones. Mm. 
In Acts 11, verses 1 to 4, it says that the elders and the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that the Gentiles had accepted the word of God. And Peter went down to Jerusalem, and when he came there, they contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. They bypassed the fact that these men had been filled with the Holy Spirit. The problem was that Peter ate with them. For us as young people, we tend to believe that if our innovative methods, if they are not immediately accepted, implemented, and applauded by our elders, that means that they are shutting us down. We see any pushback from them as them trying to keep us in the back pew, and Peter could have seen it that way. He could have said, well, God was using me, the Holy Spirit was outpoured, and they are contending with me. I don't need to talk to them. I don't need to go down to, to Jerusalem and defend myself. But instead, he was patient. He understood where they were coming from, although he didn't condone it. And then we see in Acts chapter 11, very graciously and in a heaven-inspired way, he explains what happened and how God commanded him. And then he said, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? We should be willing with patience to explain what God is doing through us. But we also need to remember that our feather ruffling tactics should be spirit-led. Just because you are passionate about something, young people, does not always mean that God is calling you to do that. Mm. Peter was clearly told by God to go out and seek and talk to this Gentile right? There was a time when Jesus told them, don't go and speak to the Gentiles. You might look at it and say, is God vacillating? Can he not make up his mind? It's not so. But God in his wisdom knows when we are supposed to use certain strategies, how we are to approach certain people, and unless his Holy Spirit has not filled us and prepared us to do that, we ought not to take the first step. There is a time and a place for everything, and we ought to be patient. We've been talking about the importance of unity, and we see that it's so important, but we understand that at certain times, separation is necessary. Charles Spurgeon says, to pursue union at the expense of truth is treason to the Lord Jesus. You see, we understand as a married couple when we get into these times of heated arguments. It's time to go for a walk now. It is definitely not wise for us to keep going back and forth with each other. No matter how logical you may be, not, no matter how right you may feel, you just need to take a moment, take a breather, Go our separate ways and take a moment to think about what you were saying or what she is saying and pray, Lord, I feel this way, but maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I just need to step back and hear her out. Maybe she is saying something that I'm not understanding, but I can understand. And it is those moments in separation that we can recognize that there is something that I was missing. 
something that I misunderstood. And then we could come back together and start talking about it again. And most times, that works. That really works. Charles Spurgeon also says, it is easy to cry a confederacy, but that union which is not based upon the truth of God is rather a conspiracy than a communion. Sometimes we turn unity into an idol, mm. and we are more willing to bypass truth and to stay together rather than saying light and darkness cannot mix. We cannot be unequally yoked. We must go our separate ways. Now, as we were going through this experience and, and talking about the sermon, we thought, is unity just for God's benefit? Think about this. A lot of times when we talk about unity in our church, we say we have to be united so that the Holy Spirit will come down and help us so we could spread the message. The three angels' message, we need the Holy Spirit to make it happen, but we need to be first united. Is that true? Of course that is true. But sometimes it makes it feel like it's all about God. Is he telling us to get united so that there's this end result that he's looking for for himself? We may not have a problem with that as a Christian, but I want to tell you, and we are going to go over why God wants unity that's beyond just himself and is actually for us. So I want you to imagine for a moment Stephen's proposal, which was beautiful, by the way, but let's, not, let's imagine that he didn't do it that way, and he said, Felicia, I want us to get married solely so that we can start a business. I would have probably said no, because it feels almost like a transaction, like he's using me simply to accomplish something. But unity within marriage is greater than simply accomplishing something that ends here on earth. God's ultimate goal for us is holiness, for us to bear his image, to experience him. If unity only accomplishes something that ends on earth, what happens when we get to heaven? He brings us together. He says that his church represents his body, and it is the fullness of Christ and helps us to see him even more. So unity is not only to fulfill a mission here on earth. The purpose is to experience God, and fulfilling that mission then is a byproduct of us experiencing God. A lot of times we get so caught up in the mission and in the work that we totally miss seeing Jesus Christ. But when you have seen Christ, you cannot help but speak of the things that you have seen and heard. Remember, Cornelius experienced the Holy Spirit after he was united with Peter. It was when Peter came to Cornelius that they were able to have that spirit. But at the same time that he, Peter himself, was able to experience again the power of God when he same as when he experienced at the Pentecost. So when we think about these unity or the topic of unity, uniting with the church, uniting with each other, uniting with your spouse, God actually wants you to unite so that you may have a greater experience with him. It's not a transaction of trying to get something done. It's more so 
I want to spend with you, spend more time with you, Stephen and Felicia, and by us coming together, we are learning more about God's love. In Revelation 14, it talks about the three angels' message. It is the one message that is supposed to go out to every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. No matter how different they are, this one message is the thing that unites them. This one message is the thing that they are thirsty for. As different as we are, we all might have preferences in food, but at the end of the day, every single one of us needs and wants water, and that's how the gospel is. It says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This, in Revelation 7, is in heaven. The differences we still see, they are before the throne of God. They are before the Lamb, and their differences are still there, but they are united. Their unity did not end on earth because the purpose of their unity extended beyond earth. So what does this mean to us? God wants us to be united because that's where you will experience him. We should work together as a unit. And yes, God is going to give you that power. But church is the avenue through which we experience God. Church is the fullness of Christ. As says in Ephesians 4.13, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. No longer should we, and especially when we talk about church and now COVID, sometimes, well, actually a lot of us, after COVID, feel like, why do we need to go back to church? What's in it for me? It feels like I could watch the sermons at home with my pajamas. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to worry about driving. At the comfort of my home, I could experience what I've been experiencing at church. But again, we want to encourage and let you know that if you want to experience God, that's church is where you should be. That it is the fellowship of our brethren that you get to truly experience who he is in another level. Being one is beautiful, but the process, we have to admit, is difficult. There is the temptation to say, you know what, we are too different, let's go our separate ways. And as young people, it is easy to fall into that temptation or to fall into that trap to pursue a frictionless living, to pursue a path where we don't have to be uncomfortable, to pursue a path where we don't have to deal with differences, but it's in dealing with differences that we can experience God in an even greater way. So let's take a moment thinking about how you can unite with your fellow brethren as you go back to church, as you go back to unite with them, that you as a young person will look at an older person 
and say, this person has experienced, this person is wise. He may or she may not agree with me 100% and may not feel like he or she understands me. But I believe, we believe, that there is so much wisdom and that it's, it's about that taking the moment to understand the other person that's going to make a difference. And it's with, same with men and women. The differences are clear, but we can understand each other. With lifestyle, standards, expectations, different thoughts and opinions, when we come together to seeking to understand each other, that's when you will experience God. Ellen White wrote, Christian unity is a mighty agency. It tells in a powerful manner that those who possess it truly are the children of God. It has an irresistible influence upon the world, showing that man in his humanity may be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are to be one with our fellow man and with Christ, and in Christ one with God. Then of us can be spoken the words, ye are complete in him. Let us pray. Father, your words were spoken. And just like in the very beginning of the world where you created with your words, we ask that these words may create something new in us. Some of us may have some contention with one another. Some of us felt maybe misunderstood with our fellow brethren. Even with our very own spouse, maybe there has been problems back and forth, back and forth for many years. Father, we are hearing you tonight that through the unity of faith, we can experience you in a greater level. That by coming together to seeking to understand, we will feel your love and that we could experience your love in a deeper way. Oh, Father, help us because it's hard. We don't want to, but Lord, here we are. We're willing. Now I ask any of you who would want to commit in coming together as one, that God is calling you to say, put aside your pride. Stand and commit to God saying, Lord, I am willing if you will allow me. Do whatever you have to do. Help me. Because there are things in my heart that I have not let go. I would like you to stand for the appeal and commit to God. You want to unite. The church needs to unite. For we all long for Christ to come. Please lift each other in prayer and... And Father, again, these are your children. Help us all. In Jesus' name we pray.
This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.